So I think, you know, AV Group has really taken a, a position that's put a, a, you know, a flag in the ground here as to where we're going to go next with how our workforce, our future workforce is going to look. It's smart business. It's, is it reactionary? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't entirely reactionary. It, it, it is. It's a reaction to the market demands, reaction to the things I talked about with ESG requirements. But if you look at the purpose statement coming out of our parent company, it's as plain as day. They expect us to enrich the lives of not only our employees, but society in general. And those are our marching orders. And that's, that's where we're heading. Free to Grow in Forestry, a podcast working to move forestry forward. Canadian Institute of Forestry and the Centre for Social Intelligence proudly present the Free to Grow in Forestry podcast. The Free to Grow in Forestry initiative was launched to create a diverse and inclusive workplace culture where all Canadians feel they belong. We believe strongly that inclusive cultures not only strengthen our Canadian forest sector economy, but also create resilient and healthy communities. This podcast seeks out guests from all aspects of the forest sector, from the C-suite to every part of the underrepresented communities to open up the dialogue on issues of concern and points of view so that everyone has greater knowledge and understanding of each other. By unearthing these discussions, we hope to stimulate greater empathy and respect for all people, opening up the forest sector to be more welcoming and accepting of everyone. For our 14th episode, we are pleased to be joined by our host, Kelly Cooper, founder and CEO of the Center for Social Intelligence, and our guest, Mike Legere. Mike has held a variety of positions within the forest sector over his career and is currently the Director of Government Relations and Communications for AV Group Canada. Kelly and Mike discuss what actions the AV Group is taking to enhance their workplace culture and efforts to support diversity and inclusion, both internationally and here in Canada. This session was recorded live on June 15th, 2022. Hello, everyone. My name is Kelly Cooper. I am the president and founder of the Center for Social Intelligence and the DNI expert co-leading the Free to Grow in Forestry initiative. Today, I'm joined by Mike Legere, Director of Government Relations and Communications at AV Group. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because for those who aren't aware, AV Group is headquartered in Mumbai, India, and has over 36 offices around the world. And I'm interested to hear how the workplace culture is in this company, what actions are underway on DNI, and if there are any differences between how DNI is led across the various locations they have internationally versus here in Canada. So welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thanks, Kelly. It's a real, real pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a chance to meet, I guess, post-COVID face-to-face at uh, Forest New Brunswick Forest Product Association meeting recently. And it was, uh, it was really great to hear your messaging on, uh, on D&I and, and, and really what the prospects are for businesses like ourselves who embrace that and, and, and use it as a way to, to grow the business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So how about we start with you telling us a bit about your background? Certainly. So, you know, I started fresh out of school, uh, well, probably in the uh, in the late 80s. I don't want to date myself too much here, but that, that's the vintage that I came out of uh, of university with with a biology degree armed and full of uh, vim and vigor. And, and my path to the forestry sector was a bit meandering. I started work as a biologist at the university and, and worked on uh, on a deep sea drilling project for about a year and a half, two years. And, uh, you know, and interestingly enough, from there, I moved to, to working in the, my first introduction to the forestry sectors was with a, a regulatory body called the Maritime Lumber Bureau. And then we did the 
lumber inspection, quality control, and, and worked on some standards and codes too re- related to, uh, to solid wood products. And then I moved from there to uh, the National Housing Agency, Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, and I worked in information transfer, and then I moved into different uh, different roles within that organization, and then ultimately landed uh, landed a job with uh, the Forest Products Association uh, in, uh, in the mid-2000s, and uh, just serendipitously, I guess, came upon an opportunity to uh, to work for one of our member companies, AV Group, and then that's how I, I managed to get from point A to, to point B. When you say the Forest Products Association of Canada, you mean or you mean the New Brunswick Industry Forum? Just to clarify, right, yeah. right. So Forest New Brunswick would be okay. the equivalent mm-hmm. to uh, you know the subnational FPAC uh, right. organization, right? Just was clarifying that for the listeners. Um, and and in any of those experiences, did you ever have a female boss? We talked a bit about that. I wanted to give you the chance to speak to that. Yeah, it's interesting because until I was probably about uh, midway through my working life, around 40, 45 years old, I'd only ever had uh, female bosses. And, uh, you know, right out of school, uh, you know, my, my, my academic mentor was my first boss. And, and you know, moving through the different careers that I had and, and, and jobs, um, it was, it, it, I didn't know anything else. You know, that was the perspective that I had. And I would say they were, they were positive experiences. I think they, you know, a, a boss is a boss, uh, you know, regardless of gender, but, you know, I, I guess I could say that my experience was, was one of, of seeing, a. A fairly prolific work ethic that really was impressed upon me. Um, I mean, these were these were women that had families and uh, were busy and had you know, enormous responsibilities. Whether it was academic, you know, publishing academic journals and scientific studies, or running large forestry associations or or large corporations, crown corps. I mean, the responsibilities were were very big. Um, yet they managed to seemingly seemed to be able to find that work-life balance. But what impressed upon me was the work ethic, the ability to put in the, the time required to get the job done right. That's a good point. I see that a lot myself with a lot of women who are juggling so much, including myself, of course. So I, I appreciate those points. So I shared your title with the listeners, but can you expand on that for us? What is your day-to-day like? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about AV Group in general. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the role of, of a, a government relations practitioner, I guess, is fairly common, especially in, in large companies. I'm responsible for making sure that I, I monitor what policy and regulations are pending or, or currently under review. I watch legislation very closely. We try to evaluate the impact that regulatory changes can have on our on our business, on our bottom line. For forestry, of course, a lot of it is geared around forest management, um, but the files are quite big. It could be anywhere from municipal reform to climate change policy to trade initiatives. Uh, the list is lengthy. And and in order to do that work, you have to develop a network, a fairly elaborate network of, of contacts, people that are, because we want to influence policy eventually, or at least inform it. And, uh, you know, that's that's really the, the left side of my job. The right side is on the communications is I'm responsible for internal and external communications for AV Group Canada. So we also have a mill in Terrace Bay, Ontario, as well as the two facilities in New Brunswick. And, you know, communication is key. Um, we try to influence public opinion. We try to get our finger on the pulse of what the public is thinking, um, because quite frankly, you know, today's public opinion typically becomes tomorrow's public policy. So it's important mm-hmm. for us to have our, our, our hand in there to understand and influence that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the, you have a lot of um, influence in a lot of parts of the forest sector within your purview, which when we talk and dive into um, how AV Group is now involved with the Free to Grow and Forestry Initiative and what's taking place 
on DNI within your organization. I'm going to be interested to hear how that plays out. So let's dive into that. Tell us about what's happening within your company on diversity and inclusion and uh, any actions that are being taken at this time. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where the, the rubber hits the road, doesn't it, Kelly? I mean, what, what's being done? And I, I think just to step back a bit so I can more clearly explain where we're at with regards to, you know, progress on that file. Um, AV Group is really part of a, of a bigger global conglomerate. So mm-hmm. the Aditya Birla Group, as you mentioned in the introduction, is based out of Mumbai. Um, they are a Fortune 500 company uh, located in 36 different countries around the world. You know, we have 100 different nationalities that make up our 140,000 employees around the world. So cultural diversity is almost already ingrained within the company, just given by the nature of the breadth and scope of where we operate. So, you know, and that's reflected here just in our, our, our little office here in Fredericton, where we kind of run things for the uh, New Brunswick and, and Ontario operations. If you take a look at uh, just in our finance and administration uh, NIT department, you know, we've got uh, 12 different nationalities represented in a group of 30 employees. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of cultural diversity already here. The AV Group, it, it's that part of the business, the broader business that's responsible for pulp and fiber production. So we answer to a sister company called Grayson Industries, and we're really, that's the, kind of the flagship for the broader group. It's one of the first companies that really launched the Aditya Birla Group. Um, there's a little bit of an interesting story there. The, the company was founded the same year that India gained its independence, and it was a mm. function of, of a separation of the state of Pakistan from India itself. And a lot of the cotton growing was done in in Pakistan, and, and therefore they were really concerned about being able to sustain themselves with regards to clothing. The founder, uh, G.D. Birla, who would be the great-grandfather of the current CEO, he opened up a uh, dissolving grade pulp facility using wood fiber out of India. But uh, fast forward you know, 75 years, and they expanded into other markets, especially North America, to find a suitable wood supply. So, uh, you know, again, the company is very focused on family and community. It's, it's very important. Self-reliance is very important to the company. And I think you see the company step in, especially in India, um, they'll step into places where maybe government doesn't fulfill the full need with regards to like schooling, healthcare, education, uh, education for, for young women in particular is something that they focused on in recent years. So they've kind of set the, the groundwork for us uh, a little bit already there. And it's, it's interesting given the fact that you've got such cultural and, and religious and, and linguistic differences in our, our parent company's uh, state, um, much more so than we have here in North America, yet they're able to find some sort of balance there. And I think it goes back to, you know, the fact it's a purpose-driven organization. Um, they really want to live by the, the model that they want to enrich lives by building dynamic and, and responsible businesses. And, and they want to inspire trust by doing that. So they, they have a real focus on, on local and on family. And I think they've realized now that, you know, they're, they have to take advantage of the workforce. In India, it's about a 50-50 split uh, in terms of, of gender balance. And they, yeah, I think, surprisingly enough, we need to take a page out of their book and incorporate it here in our businesses in North America and New Brunswick in particular. So that helps segue me nicely into what is happening here in the Canada office um, as it relates to DNI and what are you doing to take a page out of the headquarter world and apply it here in Canada? Right. So I talked about the, the cultural diversity. It's not a, a significant issue for us. We seem to have it in, in, in spades already. You can always you know, do more. Immigration is going to be a big part of fulfilling our labor needs moving forward. But another 
you know, stream for us is obviously take advantage of the labor force we have here now. And that includes underrepresented groups, First Nations in particular, and women. In New Brunswick, we actually have 51% of the population here is uh, the female gender. Um, but they're woefully underrepresented in our sector in particular. And if you drill down into some of the, you know, the segments of our business. Yes, we got greater representation in HR administrative roles. And I mean, that seems to have been traditional roles for, for females in the business, but we need them in, in a lot of the, of the STEM disciplines too. So engineering and technology and, and laboratory support and, and all of those, those roles. And we're making improvements. We're seeing improvements there. We have, you know, more senior positions being filled uh, by women engineers. And part of the reason is because our, universities and technical colleges are graduating more women out of STEM than they are men. So, you know, the pool is becoming better represented by women and therefore it's having an impact on who we're hiring and bringing on board. But, you know, we still only have roughly about 10% of our workforce is female. So, you know, we'd like to see something change. So what are we doing? Well, you know, we're really in early stages and I don't want to say we're laggards, um, but we certainly couldn't consider ourselves leaders at this time uh, from our company's perspective. So, you know, uh, I think we, what we've done is we've, we've identified a need, a, a business need. Uh, we have positions that need to be filled across the board, whether they're administrative or they're technical or, or financial side of the business so that we know. The next thing is, is how do we fill it? Well, we have to create an environment that will allow us to support bringing more, more women into, into the workplace. And, and that applies to First Nations as well and, and other underrepresented groups. So the policies that we've implemented are uh, we have gender equality policies, we have anti-harassment policies, we have safe workplace policies. So it, it sends the signal to the, the units, the three units that we operate that, look, this is how AV Group is going to do business moving forward with regard to treatment of employees, equity, and diversification within the workforce. Safe, secure workplaces that women feel comfortable coming in here and working and that it's appealing to them. Well, that's causing me to have a bunch of questions. First one is, why do you think it's taken so long? You mentioned that you thought there wasn't a pipeline coming out of universities, but if you do the review of statistics, a lot of women have been equally graduating as men for many years. So I'm curious as why there hasn't been that onboarding sooner and, um, yeah, let's just start with that and then I'll go to the next question. Yeah. And you know, part of it is there doesn't seem to have been the sense of urgency. And I don't think it's not to say that it's not urgent, but labor force dynamics is something that we, it always hovers over our heads and it has been for some time. We've been talking about this for 10 years uh, at AB Group. You know, we've got the gray tsunami. We're going to lose in the vicinity of 40 to 45% of our workforce here in the next 10 years, just due to retirement. And, you know, how do you fix that problem? Well, as you said, the statistics show us we're graduating equal numbers of females as males at universities, more so on the engineering and technology side. So why isn't the, the curve accelerating here for us. And again, it goes back to preoccupation with other things, uh, preoccupation. And these are important preoccupations. I certainly don't mean to dismiss them. Costs, competitiveness, wood supply, uh, market conditions, they seem to have gained a greater urgency for our business and, and, and colleagues within uh, other companies in the sector as well. And it always seems to, to hover and bubble in the background that we got a labor issue. You know, we're able to operate now with the labor we have, but we won't be able to in five, 10 years time. It's just, it's not going to be there. And I think the other issues that I 
previously mentioned, the cost and competitiveness and all those business constraints that are, we're facing seem to have taken a precedent at this point in time. But it goes back to the fact that do you want to be out of the gate before everybody else? Or do you want to wait until it becomes a real crisis and then you're, you're late to the dance? And I think mm-hmm. that's that in a nutshell, I think explains why we haven't embarked on this effort or maybe giving it the due consideration it needs. It, it's been pushed down a little bit on the urgency scale. Mm-hmm. And if you keep it pushed down, it, it will be to the detriment of uh, of the business. There's no doubt about it. That's right. I couldn't agree more. And you know that based on what I've shared already at that presentation, as well as my yes. book, I've talked all over that. So tell us how you're putting these policies you've talked about into action. Yeah, that's the thing. It's great to have policies. It kind of, you know, it's that foundation that you have there that you can kind of launch off of. But if you don't put the policy in the action, it's it's just words on paper, right? So it, it's something that we we have to determine what to do. And I think there's two critical steps here to putting that policy into action for AV Group. One is we have to find a senior, a, a champion within senior leadership. And I'm not quite sure we're there yet. I think uh, we recognize that needs to be done. Uh, that champion has to push down through the, you know, through the company hierarchy that this is important. It's critical. We have milestones. We have clear objectives. And maybe the second part of this is we need to look at some of our our sister companies uh, in other parts of the world. Um, you know, going back to the India example, you would think that perhaps they would be further behind than North America. You know, we're, we're kind of, uh, kind of think sometimes that we, we, we know so much and we've, uh, we've, we've done it all and we're, you know, we've got it all figured out, but not necessarily. Uh, I know that we, we looked at some of the leadership roles that have been assumed in our, our sister companies, whether it's in with Ultratech Cement or with uh, our aluminum business or our carbon black business. There are a lot of examples of women that have moved up into senior C-suite positions with those businesses. Businesses. And in countries where you'd think, gee, I didn't expect that, you know, in Egypt, in India, in Thailand, and in many of those countries. And you don't see that here uh, yet. You know, we have some, we certainly have, you know, vice presidents and senior managers, but not at the same pace, I guess we've seen in some of our sister companies. Why is that? Well, uh-huh. you know, I think it goes back to, we haven't felt the sense of urgency and those other companies have, and they've, uh, they've moved on it. So second part of one, you know, find the champion, get the champion on board, get the messaging out and get people signed up for this. Number two is, I think we need to set some targets, concrete targets. Uh, our cement division, for example, the uh, the managing director of the cement division uh, had a uh, a bit of a town hall meeting, was an interview, and, and he said, what we did is we would originally recruit between 10 to 15% women coming out of engineering schools uh, to work in uh, in our cement business. And he said, we just basically had to revise the target. And now they're looking at 20 to 25%. So really a, a full doubling of what they had previously targeted. And that's, that's ambitious, um, but very doable. You know, it's not unrealistic. It's a smart goal. And I think that's something we should have to, to, to contemplate here to say, what are we doing right now? You know, and that's about right. We're about at about 10% of our workforce is female. Um, it's not to say that we would necessarily look to attain 20, 25% in all facets of the business, but you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. 
in the cement business, they focused on the engineering and probably because for reasons we talked about, the pool is there. We know we're, we're, we're graduating very competent, well-educated engineers in particular out of the program. So it's nice to have some early success. That seems like a good place to start. Um, I mean, these are decisions that will be made by the unit heads themselves, not by, not by Mike Legere, but I can yeah. explain and describe what's happening in other units. So to, to me, that's what we need to do. We've got the, we've got the, the policy uh, foundation in place. We need to find the champion. We need to drive it through the company, through the company culture. And then we need to set smart, realistic targets that, uh, that'll move the needle. So recognizing you're not the guy who can make that decision, what do you think will happen to get to the guy who can make that decision and make things start to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We just came out of uh, some some senior management meetings here this week. And, uh, you know, I, I think the the message doesn't have to come from that high a level. I think it's something that will be done within region. And uh, I think as we look at uh, moving into the next fiscal year, this will be one of the, the additional items that, uh, you know, our, our senior management, which in senior management locally would be CEO of the Canadian pulp divisions and certainly the, the unit heads at the mills, because it's, it's fine for our most senior person in pulp and fiber here in Canada to say, this is where we're going to go. But ultimately the champion is more than likely going to be on site at the mills. They know the culture, they know the people, they know what it takes. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I mean, in my perspective from the work I do, of course, I would see that rounding up all those executives together in a meeting focused on this topic to explain to them the imperative, the business imperative, and walking them through what it takes to get there and make a plan and execute that plan is likely the best next step. Tell me what you think about um, in being involved in free to grow. Do you think that's a, a, like, I'm curious of your perspective on that. I haven't had anyone on our podcast before to ask that. So (laughs) given that you're at the beginning of your journey, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of the things that we lack, like like I say, we, I don't want to say we lack resource. We have resources to help enable greater recruitment of of women in particular into our businesses. Like in New Brunswick, for example, we have uh, an NB Maps. NB Maps is New Brunswick uh, Mentorship Apprenticeship Apprenticeship Program. Mentorship Apprenticeship Program. It's a mouthful. And it's to try to teach, uh, and it's really towards skill trades. Uh, And it's to try to teach mentors how to mentor. Um, so, you know, the process for trade certification, you want to go from apprentice to journeyman and you have put in so many hours of actual work and training. Well, a lot of, a lot of people that are doing the mentorship have never mentored before. So NB maps tries to provide that training for those, those journeymen or journey women that are already red sealed. But within that MB maps, there's another program, which we call uh, new boots and new boots is geared specifically at trying to encourage more females into trades. And again, it's a bit of an experiential learning and mentorship program. And, you know, it, it kind of dovetails nicely with some other resources that are in the province. Uh, one, for example, is uh, Future Ready NB and Future Wabanaki. And these are both collaborative groups composed of industry stakeholders, manufacturers, employers in general, academics, uh, so academics, academic institutions, colleges and schools and government. And it's to try to bring young people uh, into real life situations where they can see, you know, what can I do with a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Arts or, you know, whatever degree, what, what practical things can I do? And 
you know, those resources are there and they're very helpful and they're things that we can take advantage of. But one of the things we don't have and that, you know, the interest in this where comes full circle back to free to grow is if you're new and you're embarking on this, where, where do you start? Like, we've got an idea. I mean, I, you know, it's good to talk to you, Kelly, and, and even within your book, you know, you highlight a lot of paths that could be taken to accomplish this, but we need help. It's another resource for us to kind of say, let's help you lay out the framework of how you can get from point A to point B. If your target is to set, let's just say, hypothetically, we take a 20% target to increase our, our gender balance. How do we get there? You know, are we doing things right? So that's the the interest for us with a free to grow is it's another resource that really, you know, you're, you're not there teaching us how to mentor. You're not teaching us how to, or advising us uh, how to, to funnel more people specifically into, into our workplaces. But I think we see value in here's the path you can take. Here's a bit of a framework that you should be using. And here's the pitfalls and here's the areas where you should be focusing on. We've not seen anything like that before. I don't think it's existed before. If it has, we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And the other thing about free to grow is that it allows people to have a shared network on this topic within the sector and learn from each other. And also I recognize that everyone has a role to play in making this sector an attractive place to come and work. And that the actions of one part of the sector can either attract or repel people to it. And that idea of working as a team is a thing that hasn't been done before. And people are appreciating how that works now. They're like, yeah, I never thought of it that way. So working together from big industry along the supply chain, even in the provincial governments, it's critical in order to make the sector a place to work and change the narrative a little bit too, right? And that's another piece of the work we're doing is all about the communications and and all that. So anyway, I won't keep talking about free to grow, but I was just curious about your views on that. Well, the networking is an important point that, you know, I guess I take that for granted being in a GR role, you know, networking is so critical and I take it for granted that it's, you know, it's always a consideration, but I'm glad you brought it up because it's, you know, often we work in, we work in silos and Mm -hmm. there's nothing better than to be able to have, you know, even if it's a, a competing company out on the West coast or in central Canada to say, look, you know, this is what we've done. It's been successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we're seeing a lot more of that and and free to grow Mm -hmm. highlights these successes success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, uh, it's escaping me now, uh, with, um, well, Lacey Rose has been oh, women in with uh, women in wood and, yep. in, you know, highlighting things like that encourages mm-hmm. women to say, look, I can do that. Look, look at exactly. the success that they're having. Exactly. And then companies individually showing the successes they're having, the progress they're making, it, that's huge to be able to sell that to, uh, you know, to, again, back to our senior leadership. It's mm-hmm. being done elsewhere. We don't want to be the last people out of the gate. That's right. Well, I had a Western Canada executive leadership team meeting just yesterday and I was hearing, I had a, you know, I just picked on a few people to sell it, tell me what's happened since seven weeks ago when we met in person. And there's some, some amazing things happening. And I think part of the idea of free to grow for me was to say, Hey, let's create almost the conditions for competition on diversity and inclusion. And that's kind of what's playing out. I mean, I would love to have a dashboard where you're actually watching like horses on the free to grow website and with names attached by company and seeing who's doing what on what, you know, it would be a lot of fun and people could be tapping into it, but it's becoming that kind of situation, which is the is conditions for success in my mind. So it's exciting to watch. Yeah. And I think it's a, another important point that you raise there is, uh, 
you know, it's, it's one thing that to the herald success stories, we're not interested in just checking off a box and saying we've got a quota we got to hit. We have no interest in that. A target, you know, is fine. It's uh, it's aspirational, but we hire the best. And prime example, we've got uh, a young forester, um, uh, Jessica Pryor. She basically was acknowledged for being uh, one of the top 10 under 40 foresters in Canada. And, you know, that's a prime example that that's the people we want. We hire, mm-hmm. we hire them first because they're, they're the best and they're, they're well qualified. And, you know, the fact that she felt comfortable to come and work for us and has made a real success of it. What more can you say? Right. Yeah. I mean, to your earlier point about women having a very strong work ethic, right? And there's statistics out there now where they say that women actually feel they have to work twice as hard in the same role, right? And yet when the, and and the whole topic as well about targets, people get the heebie-jeebies, right? Nobody wants to be hired in because they think you're a target. That's not comfortable for anyone. So it's a, it's a very difficult, uh, I can understand from people who are I won't say resistant, but hesitant to move in uh, to this space, but because it's a, a bit of a scary topic to navigate at first. But once you, that's what I like about the structure of the, the teams is it allows the people there to share what's going on, but also a shared understanding that, hey, you know what, we don't know all this and we're working it through it and we're learning through, what's the expression? We're, help me out here. Learning through doing is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. We're learning I was going to say doing. trial by I was going to say trial by fire, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not trial by fire. Learning by doing, <laughs> and getting through this together, and um, and that's how, as a, a collective, it's a bit of a force because everyone's moving forward together, right? So, and there's a bigger force driving this for us too. That you know, I, I'm sure you're aware of it, and it's, uh, but it's worth mentioning is. For our business, and we make dissolving grade pulp, which is a little unique. It doesn't go into traditional paper products or corrugated, or it goes into uh, into woven and non-woven fabric. And you know, the fashion industry is very, you know, the end consumer is very conscientious of what's what's the circularity on that product. Mm-hmm. You know, how sustainable was it? Mm-hmm. The full life cycle, and mm-hmm. not just from an environmental perspective, but you know, mm-hmm. ESG ESG values are really pushing pushing That's the right. agenda. So, you know, in, in this situation, you know, we, we're following what the market's demanding. And exactly. on the social aspect of ESG, they're saying, we want to see that there's balance within your, you know, gender diversity within your workforce, that you're... Triple uh, bottom line. Triple bottom line. And, you know, certifications are becoming more and more necessary for us just to be in the marketplace, let mm-hmm. alone, you know, it's, it's before it was a, a value add. Now it's just, it's, it's part of doing business. That's right. So our, our forestry certifications are already touching upon that. You know, we look at principle two in particular with FSC certification and mm-hmm. it speaks directly to this type of, of a sustainability aspect that we never really considered before. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting because it means that uh, companies are waking up to doing things that are better for society as a whole. And learning how to be economical through it too, right? So that it's a win-win-win, which is the whole idea of sustainable development. Okay, well, on that note, I'm just going to ask you one last question. And that is, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today about yourself, AV Group, or DNI in general? So I think, you know, AV Group has really taken a, a position that's put a, a, you know, a flag in the ground here as to where we're going to go next with how our workforce, our future workforce is going to look. It's smart business. It's, is it reactionary? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't entirely reactionary. It, it, it is. It's a reaction to the market demands, reaction to the things I talked about with ESG requirements. But 
if you look at the purpose statement coming out of our parent company, it's as plain as day. They expect us to enrich the lives of not only our employees, but society in general. And those are our marching orders. And that's, that's where we're heading. That sounds good to me. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mike. It's been a pleasure talking with you and learning about AV Group. And perhaps we'll be working together in the near future uh, as we go forward. Well, I hope so. Gender, diversity, and inclusion are crucial to the advancement of a thriving and resilient forest sector. As we continue to grow and change, we all have a role to play in making our sector a place where everyone has the support they need to succeed and thrive. For more information on how you can take action and help make a difference, follow Free to Grow in Forestry on social media or visit us at www.freetogrowinforestry.ca. And if you have a story you think should be heard about an experience you have had or what you would like to see happen in the Canadian forest sector workforce, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at info at free to grow in Together, we can move forestry forward.